Hey everyone, this is Brandon Lyles. My wife Heidi and I pastor Living Word Northwest in Rogers, Minnesota. We hope what you're about to hear encourages you no matter what you're facing this week. We believe you'll experience Jesus wherever you're listening from right now. Enjoy the message. Wow. I am constantly endeavoring just to take it slow on Sunday mornings to not rush through things that are stirring in my heart. Amen? I'm constantly endeavoring to not just stick to the notes, you know, or kind of micromanage the service. You know, we can do that. We can try and micromanage the things of God. Let him know when we need things to happen or not happen. But I'm trying to just lean back into what he wants to do. You know, God is doing some crazy things. I love uh, being a pastor because I know a lot of things that I don't have to tell everybody. (laughs) Wink, wink. God is doing some amazing things. Did you know that? You know that his timing is always perfection. You know, I spent a whole year preaching about really the peace of God with Heidi. (laughs) And then God speaks to you or he does something, and I am the idiot that says, was that you, God? Because you spend the whole year preaching about letting the Lord lead you and that his goodness will overtake you and, and that you can trust as his will unfolds in your life. And then something comes up and you go, was that, was that you, Lord? This is my season right now, church, where stuff is popping up. Stuff is coming across our path. Opportunities are coming across our path. And I'm not just saying that in faith, like they're literally here. And I don't want to rush that. So it's not honesty for me to not want to rush the will of God unfolding in our lives or in my life and then come to a service and rush through it. It is a pace of peace. It's a lifestyle of peace. It's a posture or a position of peace. It's living in a place of peace where not just some things we take slow or consider what the Lord would want or seek wisdom or counsel in some things, but in other things, you just rush through it. It's everything. And so for me, I constantly have to remind myself to slow down, lean back, don't rush. Sit in the comfy chair of God's peace. Recline back. Tiffany, is that you? I see sitting up there like this. No, I can't see that far back. Oh, okay. Someone behind you. Just like that. Just like, just rest and relax. We took a picture during service. Somebody did with their phone. And in the very back row, there was a young man who will remain nameless. And he was like this. Big yawn. 
lean back. <sighs> All right, gang, you ready for what the Lord's put on our heart this morning? I'm not going to steal what God showed Heidi. I'll let her speak that next week. I want to start in John chapter 1, verse 6. Now that we've relaxed for a second, I need you to fire up a little bit, okay? Talk back. Let me know what God's saying to you. Amen? Hallelujah. John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for, for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Everybody say light. Okay, light. I want you to f- focus on how much that word is used in these scriptures. That all through him might believe, verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him, or the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of uh, the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Light. There's a lot in this. Light is something that we see. Not complicated, not trying to over-spiritualize things this morning. Light is something that we see. And we need light to reveal things that we're looking for. Anybody have some questions that need answers? He'll do that. So we need light, physically, naturally speaking, to see, to find things that we're looking for. Amen. So when we behold the light, come on, everybody grab your phone out right now. Grab your phone, turn your flashlight on, point it at your neighbor. Behold the light. Okay, that's enough. Now you're just being annoying, right? No, but when you, listen, when you behold the light, you begin to see or find the thing that you're looking for. Simple, right? Jesus is the light of the world that we live on, right? Earth, John 8, 12. So Jesus, according to this scripture, Jesus helps us see as the light of this world, in this world, Jesus, as we behold Jesus, we begin to see, we begin to find the things that we are looking for, the questions that we have begin to come with answers, amen? The healing that we're looking for, when we behold Jesus, the light of the world, we begin to find that healing that he gave us. His reality becomes our reality because where Jesus is, you guys all gave me 10 different answers and I I beat this into you last week. Jordan's a teacher and he just gave you an F. Where Jesus is, there is peace. Because how many of you know when you find that thing that you're looking for, let me tell you, A peace comes over you, a confidence, a sigh of relief comes over you when that question gets answered, when that 
miracle is experienced, when that son or daughter comes back home, amen? Where Jesus is, there is peace. So God sent John the Baptist right into the earth to grab people's attention because Jesus was on the earth, but like we read here in John, uh, people didn't recognize him. The light of the world had come and no one saw it. His family, his friends, his neighbors, they hadn't beheld the light. So John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, or look, today's sermon is called Behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the substance of the thing John had been looking for. And when John, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, that that faith that he had that the Messiah was, was here or coming became a reality to him. And he said, behold, or look, he saw Jesus, who was the lamb who had come to take away the sin of the world. So all of John's confident expectation, as we would say, all of his faith, all of his prayers, all of his hopes, everything was finally answered when he saw Jesus, when he beheld Jesus coming towards him. All right, are you connecting the dots with me here? The definition of behold is to gaze upon, to observe a remarkable or impressive person. So, sure, it's good to sing about Jesus. And and sure, it's good to read about Jesus. And sure, it's good to listen to podcasts about Jesus. But let me tell you, church, it is something different to behold Jesus or to look at Jesus. Now, I can be over here and say, oh, I've got this friend. His name is Sean. Sean is such a good guy. He's so strong and muscular. He can lift so much weight at the gym He is so nice and kind and so educated. Such a good guy. But when I, I'm scared to do this because he's a very strong man. But when I look him in the eye, when I behold him, and I look right at him, and he hears me say this, Sean, you are so stinking intelligent. And man, you are so strong. Look at this guy. Man, you are such a gift When we look at each other like that, the meaning, the depth, the relationship that we have, it's so much more different than when we're just out here talking about Jesus or reading even about Jesus or even just singing about Jesus. But when I get one-on-one with my Jesus and I behold him, he comes to dwell among us. The light of the world dwells among us. Behold, look. Did you just say yell it? I like that. Don't tell me to preach it. Say yell it. (laughs) Woo. Hmm. 
So, so behold Jesus. Now here's how I do this. It's just a suggestion because it's good for us to practice what we say and what we believe. You know, we, we, we have these practices of our faith that help us stay in faith when things get sticky, right? So beholding Jesus, when you are stuck in traffic, you imagine him. He gave you this thing that no other creature has. It's an imagination to create ideas that then you can, you can bring into existence. So you imagine him sitting in that car seat next to you in traffic. You can just talk to him like he's there. When you're changing a flat tire in the middle of Hayward, even amidst the four-letter words, imagine Jesus with you changing that flat tire. It's okay, Brandon. Watch your mouth. When, when, when you're sitting around the dinner table and your son comes up, or excuse me, the, the table, I guess we were, it was breakfast, but when you're sitting there at the table and your son walks up and says, Dad, there's a situation going on in, in wrestling, and I look over at that empty chair, but in that chair sits Jesus, and then, wait, son, I had this dream. He's with you. Imagine him there because then what happens in every one of those sticky situations, immediately your mind doesn't jump to the negative, there's that word, or your mind doesn't jump to the, what should I do to fix this when you're in that argument with your spouse, gentlemen, and you just want to fix it. You stop and you picture Jesus with you and he comes and he dwells among you and where Jesus is there is peace, and he brings peace into that argument. He brings peace into your son's life. He brings peace as you're cussing out that tire in the middle of Hayward, Wisconsin. He brings peace. His reality becomes your reality. Not because of what you do, but because of who he is. I'm jump ahead, because what does Ephesians 2.14 tell us? He is our peace. It's who he is. It's his identity. Hmm. Sometimes we struggle to stir up our faith. Anybody? <sighs> and it can be exhausting because, you know, you try the confessions and reading the, the, that one Bible verse over and over or, you know, and, and it just seems like you, you're losing that faith that everything's going to work out or that God really does care about you enough to deal with this situation or right, to, to help you experience joy in your life. And, and, and it does, it gets cumbersome and it gets tiresome. And sometimes it's like a, a game. And then you ask these questions like, well, did I, am I reading the word enough because I'm not seeing Jesus work in this situation? Or am, am I going to church enough? Or am I, am, am I, do I have doubt? Anybody ever ask these questions? Come on. You know, and it just, it gets really, really exhausting, and it becomes this vicious cycle then because now you, <laughs> I don't, maybe this is just me, but you're like, okay, I'm not confessing enough, but am I making confessing a work or am I making thinking about confessing a work or is me working to think about confessing about working becoming a work? And is that why I'm not experiencing rest right now? And God is like, yes, shut up. Just me, not you, just me. I mean, Andrew Womack told me I need to do this, and then I read this. Pastor Mac told me, I, and I just, I don't know. And, I, you know, ah. 
So maybe we just need to chill out. Maybe I just need to chill out. And we just need to quiet our minds, close our mouths, amen. And then what do we say? Behold, look at Jesus. Some situations where my kid is saying stuff to me that, oh man, and your blood's boiling. Those of you that have teenagers and your eyes twitching. Before you speak, look over and see Jesus sitting on that bed with you. See him there. Look, behold. There's a pastor and an author I really respect. His name is John Mark Homer, and he puts it this way. And again, this is our responsibility to turn our attention to God all through our days and weeks to think of him, to think deeply of him and rightly of him in line with Jesus's vision of God as the Trinitarian community of self-giving, creative, generous, calm, loving joy and delight. To let Jesus's incredibly compelling vision of who God is give shape to who we become. When we curate our attention on Jesus and allow the flow of his thoughts into our minds, we begin to experience his peace his love and compassion for all, and his deep, pervasive joy. We become calmer, more loving, and plain happier just by abiding. So let's go back and read John 1.14 again, but out of the New Living Translation. It says, so the word, or Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness or grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our natural minds can't make sense of this. It's too simple. It's uncomplicated. And it seems like it will never work. I'm that type of guy where no, 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 no. Just give me a pill I can swallow that will make me feel better. Something I can see, but simply beholding <laughs> Jesus brings him, according to the word, into our humanity. And this is where the rubber meets the road, Christian. Do you believe in the reality of his word, or you do, do you believe in the reality of this world? Because... That's what will shape your experience of life because when you believe the reality of his word, which is extremely countercultural, when you believe that and people think you're crazy for believing it, they do. In fact, people will think you're, hmm. People will think you're a bigot for believing it. People will think that you're socially unjust for believing it. People will think, they'll think a bunch of stuff. Because the Bible nowadays isn't truth. It's not reality to most people. The Bible is a historical book written by pig-headed men. People get on me for not being political enough, so I'll probably just stop right there. That's what our society believes. It's not truth. It's not reality. So when you start believing it and speaking it and acting like it's your reality, people are going to get ticked off. But the bottom line is, when you believe that his kingdom has come and his will is being done, that his reality is now your reality, then guess what? As you think in your heart, that's what you become. 
God has given you this creative ability to absorb something as an idea and, and, and make it a reality over your body, over your mind. He gave you that mind with a creative power to bring his reality into your reality, to bring substance to your faith. So our natural minds can't make sense of that and neither can society. I used to rag on people who were like, you know, coughing and hacking and they're like, praise God, I feel great. <laughs> He's so good, I'm healthy. And I'm like, no, you're not, fool. You're sick as a dog. Get out of here, you're gonna get me sick. But you know what? I would rather be in that boat of saying, what is his reality? What is his reality? What is his reality? What is his reality? I'd rather, be, I'd rather be saying that, being like, ooh, my body feels like this, but guess what? What does my spirit say? Ah, okay, I'm hearing these words out of people's mouths, but what does his word say? Whoo, okay, I would rather counteract, counterattack every lie that the enemy's trying to tell me about my marriage, about my kids, about this ministry, about this church. And I would rather counterattack that with his words about me, with his reality about me, with who he is, because where Jesus is, there is peace. And I I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of junk and I need to put up a wall against that junk and say, okay, closing that door, opening this one to what God says about me, what God says about my kids, what God says about my health. Amen, church. I'm not faking it until I make it. I am choosing to take my eyes off of their reality and put it on his reality, which becomes my reality. Amen? And I'll do that until the day I die. Because I would rather die believing in the goodness of God than suffer through this life believing all the junk everyone else believes. Let them be sad. Let them be sorrowful. Let them be angry. You go watch the news. I don't want to watch that garbage. You say all that stuff. God and his reality, which is justice, social justice, revolution. This is who Jesus is. Acceptance, love, unconditional love. That's who he is. But instead of talking or tweeting about it, you're living it now. Instead of telling people what they should be doing, you're showing people now. And it's not exhausting and you're not worn out after 2020 because you can't identify what's going on emotionally on the inside of you as we were torn apart and believed the lies that the enemy continued to throw at us in 2020. No, not anymore. Because God has turned those lies, he's turned them off and turned me on to the truth. He's the light of the world. It's like he's over here. Hello, 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 hello. Stop looking the other way. He's got his iPhone flashlight in our eyes. Look at me. Let's go this way. I think of it like, um, speaking of iPhones, portrait mode. Right? Portrait mode just makes every bad picture I take look so good. You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, I am awesome at taking pictures on my iPhone. Portrait mode. Portrait mode, basically what it does is it takes everything that's like at a certain distance away, blurs it out, and then brings into focus the thing that needs to be brought into focus. It uses something called depth of field. And I know we have some photographers in this room, so I actually wrote down the definition so they wouldn't berate me later on. 
depth of field is a, it's a calculation camera is used to bring something into focus. It's defined as for cameras that can only focus on one object distance at a time. Depth of field is the distance between the nearest and the farthest objects that are in acceptably sharp focus. Most of us have a million things in our big picture. Oh, come on, church. A million things. A million kids, things at work, your own body and mind. So I guess... Well, I'll say this too. We can't multitask. You guys know that, right? Humanly impossible. So I guess I like to think of going into portrait mode where all the things that don't matter in that moment kind of get blurred, kind of get left in the background so that I can focus on the one thing, the one person that really matters. Jesus. Because the second you start focusing on someone else back here, you start taking matters into your own hand. And the person that's in the foreground that's supposed to be the focus gets blurry. And I do not want a parent with a blurry Jesus. You can tweet that. I do not want to run a church with a blurry Jesus. I do not want to make marriage work in today's world and society with a blurry Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And that's why we get so confused with gender and religion and social things is because we're looking so intently at those things and we're blurring out the person who tells us in his word what those things should look like. And this becomes our focus. And then we start thinking on it. And these realities back here become our realities. And we wonder why things keep not working out. Because we're looking at a false narrative. We're looking at somebody else's Instagram reality. We're following the way of the world and what their reality is. And, 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 and we think about it and we see about it enough and we scroll through our news feeds enough and, and we absorb it and, and it becomes our reality. And pretty soon we forget the basic things that Jesus showed us in his word. And where Jesus is, there is peace and we wonder why we're not experiencing peace in our lives. I wish I was just talking about you guys, but I'm talking about myself. And so when the, the poo hits the fan and you have that Hayward moment, you guys probably think I swear a lot. I don't. I don't really swear. I don't. Heidi, on the other hand, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's got a mouth like a sailor. She is just... Just kidding, babe. <laughs> she's at home taking care of my sick daughter. Okay, uh, with low, low blow. Sorry, babe. I love you. But I don't remember what I was talking about. But the point is that we have to choose what or whom we're going to focus on. And I'll take it all the way back. Jesus is the light showing us where to go next, what to do next. 
what to do about a permanent facility for this church, what to do about dealing with that, that teenager that, that you're struggling with, what to do about that business decision, should I take it, should I not take it, what to do about that, that the tickle in the back of your throat, oh, what should I do about that, what to do about that thought that you just can't seem to get over because that person hurts you so bad, like what to do, should I go see this psychologist or not, or should I go to the doctor or not, or, or Lord, what do you want me to read this morning, Give me, I need something from your word, show me, you are the light of the world, Jesus, come dwell with me, dwell among me this I am looking at you. I'm beholding you. Show me something in your word this morning that will speak your reality louder than the reality I'm hearing from everybody else in the background. Wow, yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. You don't want to see me dance. Yeah, too late. Do you know what I'm saying? This is the Christian walk of faith. It's not screaming at the devil louder than he's screaming at us. It's leaning in to the Father more than we lean in to everything else going on around us. It's, it's too simple. It's too simple. It's too simple for this overcomplicated mind sometimes. It's too simple for this Enneagram one. It's too simple for this person who's got all these million things going on in his life to say, what, just behold, just look, just look. If you have a child, you know, I'm sad to say I really didn't experience this till I had a daughter, but when I look, just look at her, isn't it interesting? If I'll just sit with her and just look at her, and of course, it's Heidi's daughter, so she'll just talk at me. River will just talk at me for a very long time, and I'll just sit there and look at her and listen to her and look at her in the eye. And I'll tell you what, the next day, she clings to me. She wants to be by my side, not because I bought her something or did something for her. Our little dog, Charlie, little demon dog, Charlie. You know, I, I, I wanted to train him, so what do most guys do when they train dogs? You just, you just, just get strong with them. Heidi would sit there and look at him in the eyes. And just like, I'm like, is this getting romantic? What's happening? She's just, look at him in the eyes. And you know who that dog respects more than anybody in the house? You know who that dog listens to more than anybody in the house? You know who that dog follows around and just cuddles with more than anybody in the house? Me. Just kidding. Heidi. (laughs) Behold, the Lamb of God. Why has he come to take away the sin of the world, the effects of sin on our bodies, in our minds? He has come. He is the peace giver, Jesus. I'm going to kind of wrap it up with this. Sometimes we just need a piece of peace. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just a piece. It's like that woman who just touched a piece of his garment. And it changed everything. She just pushed her way through the crowd just to, to get that look at Jesus. And when she saw him, she, she crawled on her hands and knees. Think about the issue that she was having in her body. And she got down on her hands and knees and crawled just to touch a piece of Jesus' garment. Just a piece of peace changed everything for her. A piece of capital P, peace. You think about Jesus when he was in that storm with his disciples. He didn't get up and start quoting, you know, the entire law of Moses at the storm. He said one word. He said, hush, silence, peace. 
He didn't speak even an entire sentence. He spoke a piece of a sentence. And it brought peace to every single one of those disciples' lives. Huh. Peace of peace. Or how about just a little piece of that little, that little boy's lunch? Maybe you got people following you all over the place. You got kids following you around. You've got a Charlie following you around. You've got employees following you around. You've got all these people that rely on you like Jesus had. They followed him. Thousands of people followed him. And he had such compassion on them. And, and, and they, they didn't know how to feed those people. They didn't know what to do. And so maybe you're like the disciples who are like, how can I, how can I feed these people? How can I help my children? How can I take care of my employees? How can I, how, how can I even influence? my community or, or all these things I've got to take care of. What do we do? And Jesus says, well, what do you, what do you think you should do? And, and maybe you're like me and you go, well, let me go to the store and I'll buy a bunch of stuff. And we, we probably don't have enough money, but I mean, we, we've got to be able to figure this out, Jesus. And Jesus just says, give me, give me a piece of what's needed. Give me a piece of this little boy's lunch. Right? And he feeds, he answers, he supplies for all of those people. He'll supply for all of the people that need you. He'll supply for all, for your kids, for your family. He'll supply for you. The disciples walked away. Each one of them had a basket full of food supply for them, for themselves. There were 12 disciples and exactly 12 baskets of fish and bread left over. You think Jesus, hey, disciple of Christ, you think he's not going to take care of you? And, and not only that, but give you more than enough to take care of all your responsibilities? Why? Because where Jesus is, there is peace. And he's going to lead you from peace into peace. I believe he's doing that on the inside. He's going to lead you from the inside, inner peace, to a place of, of peace on the outside. He's going to literally work peace into your heart, dwell among you, dwell in you, inhabit who you are, and then that's going to work out in your everyday life with feeding the 5,000 or, or healing the issue of blood or calming the storm. Jesus is peace. So where he is, there is peace. Picture him in the seat next to you while you're driving. For those of you that are in your car as much as I am, I am an Uber driver for my teenagers. Picture him with you. Nate, picture him while you're working the night shift, right? Picture, picture him with you when you're praying with us tomorrow night or whenever on prayer, right? He's sitting with you on Facebook. Ooh, look at that picture. Yeah, oh, what's she doing? He's with you. Picture him with you right now where you're sitting. In the chair next to you. Maybe there's not a chair next to you. Maybe you're sitting on his lap. I don't know. Picture him putting his hand on your shoulder right here, right now in this place. Where Jesus is, there is peace. There's a peace in knowing that this is the one person who will never leave you, never forsake you, never tell you a lie. This is one person who is who he says he is. This is one person who gets you. 
He gets your personality. He gets the struggles that you're facing. He understands because he was tempted in all ways. So the things that you're tempted with, don't be ashamed because Jesus is here. He understands. He's been through it. If you believe the word, he's been tempted and he, he's here. We serve a living God. We read a word that is living and alive. Hence the name of this church. I've said this before, but man, I wish we had such a cooler name for our church. Like, you know, radical church. That's not cool, but you know what I'm saying. You know, I'm like, man, elevation. Why didn't we think of that? That's so cool. But then, I remember that Jesus is the living word. I don't care how elevated you try and get without Jesus, you're not going far. I mean, I, I like idolize Stephen Furtick, so don't worry. I love you, elevation. But you know what I'm saying. So when I, I think of it, I guess this is like Jesus church. You know, the living word, he's with you right now, speaking peace, becoming, embodying peace. And as he is, so are you in this world. Peace on earth, your earth, your world, my situation, my struggle, my dreams, peace in the middle of those dreams so I don't pursue them on my own. Peace in in the middle of your day so that you're not trying to figure it all out on your own. Peace as you raise your kids, as you're married, as as, as you try and, and, and just walk one step at a time down the path of peace in this high calling he's put on your life. Peace as you come in, peace as you go out. Peace. Like our... Lutheran and Catholic friends say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus with you. Amen? Father, I thank you this morning that you have given us the Prince of Peace as our friend. (laughs) That's cool that you've given us perfect peace as our comforter, our counselor. That you've given us a shield around our hearts and minds of peace. His name is Jesus. So we choose this morning not to seek peace, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's righteousness has a name, and his name is Jesus, the king of righteousness. (laughs) 
you know, maybe that salvation prayer that we've heard Pastor Mac pray a thousand times is, maybe it's for all of us this morning. Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior, be my Lord. I need that reminder. In the storm, in the struggle, good times, bad. Where Jesus is, there is peace. Hallelujah. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, this is your time. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. It's as simple as raising your hand and repeating a prayer where you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And Jesus steps in to your world, your earth, and where Jesus is, there is peace. If you've never said that prayer, we want to say it together with you. So I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward. You can stay right in your seat. Even if you're online, I want you to raise your hand if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart. And I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you to receive Jesus. And if you're online, just put it in the comment. I want to receive Jesus. Don't wait and don't hesitate. There's so many decisions that I hesitated on and waited and waited and waited and hesitated and wondered and questioned and, you know, had all the feelings and just, I don't know. And then I look back, hindsight being 2020, and say, why did I wait so stinking long? Look at what God has done. This might be your moment. And if your heart is pounding just a little bit and you've never said this prayer, this is your moment. So raise your hand and we'll pray with you. And if you're online, put it in the comments. Let's pray this together. Just repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, (laughs) come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I need your grace. I need your life. I need your mind. (laughs) Oh, wow. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead. (laughs) Man, I just feel his presence right now. Jesus, I trust you. I want to learn to love you. I want to learn how much you love me. Keep repeating this prayer after me. Holy Spirit, I give you control. Speak to me. Speak through me. Show me your plan for me. Show me that high calling. And help me, Holy Spirit, to not just do what I want to do, but follow where you lead me.
Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to what God has put on our hearts. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, join Heidi and I Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook. And just know we're grateful to the Lord that He's given us this time with you. God bless.